0: I was going to say, hey,
1: sisters, but sadly, we're without KK today. She's still not feeling well. But instead, we have an amazing guest. So well wishes to Kristen. Um, but today we have Pastor Dustin Bates with us, which I'm so excited for you guys to get to know him. He was our mom's favorite. She was sending us you know, weekly podcast sermons from Pastor Dustin. So we just can't wait for you guys to get to know him. And a little bit a bio on him after pastoring in washington state with his dad dustin and his wife jamie founded and pastored the M V M N T, and I think I'm going to mess that up, youth ministry that grew from 15 students to over 500 in three years, which is amazing. And Dustin also founded programs such as the preschool, the academy, and the college at Church 1132, and he travels nationally and internationally to preach and empower leaders in Christian and secular sectors across the globe. So welcome, Pastor Dustin. Thank you so much. It's such an honor to be with you
0: guys. (laughs) Oh, we feel the same. And I kind of touched on this before we started recording, but we feel this, it's probably weird for you, but we just feel this connection with you just just through our mom and how much she adored and loved you and loved to spread your messages. So we feel honored that you're here today with us.
2: Oh, that's so special to me. I just love even hearing some of that story and what a precious woman and you guys are just doing such an incredible job honoring her and her legacy. So for me to be a a little part of this, this is special to me.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: (laughs) I love that. Well, I'd love for the listeners to get to know you a little bit. So where did you grow up and how did you kind of, sounds like you got into pastoring with your dad. How did that all kind of transpire?
2: Yeah, I grew up in a little city outside of Seattle, uh, Washington. And uh, so grew up in the Northwest. I'm a huge Seattle Seahawks fan, even though I live in Dallas now. Um, so I'm in enemy territory, <laughs> but rough. I've remained- Uh-oh,
1: yeah, that's dangerous. I know,
2: I know. Uh, I've got an incredible family, really blessed. Uh, my mom and dad, we grew up doing ministry and uh, my dad pastored the church and I have uh, three sisters uh, and a brother. And so we have five of us and we grew up, my mom homeschooled us all. Wow. and. So So we like to say we're survivors of homeschooling (laughs) and you can only say that if you're a homeschooler. (laughs) Um, But uh, she did a great job and we just kind of grew up in the church being around ministry. My dad has just a huge heart for people. He would give the shirt off his back to anyone to just help them however he could. And so, so I got to see it at a young age. And I started helping out in the church when I was really young. We didn't have a drummer. And so I learned how to play drums in the band.
0: And
2: I was awful, but I was the only one that they had.
0: <laughs> and so
2: I got to play and uh, just got to see ministry really up close and personal. And when I was 16 years old, I had an encounter with God that really made my faith my own. Because I think you know, growing up in a Christian home, you do the right things, you say the right things. But my faith really wasn't mine it was it was what we did I, I i loved the lord and i read my bible and but when i was 16 i don't know you know you're at that age where you're you're trying to find yourself and and so all kinds of things going on in high school i just we were at a service like a special service one night and so i just kind of went to a corner kind of by myself you know just praying and just asking god like if you're really real uh, i know i see my dad serve you and i see my mom but if you're really real like i want to know you and it's kind of hard to explain, but I just, I really sensed like God's closeness to me in in that moment and something shifted in my, in my life. So it was a fun couple of years just in, in high school. And then as I in, in Washington, you can play public school sports, even if you're homeschooled. So I played all public school sports and football and baseball and, and to all that. And it was really neat. Just working in the youth ministry at a young age, and uh, I preached my first message when I was sixteen. Uh, I was scared to death. Wow. I got to travel with a a pastor to uh, Singapore uh, when I was seventeen, and he surprised me. And he was supposed to speak, and he said, "Hey, you're you're up tonight. You're going to speak." It's a crowd of thousands of people. I'd never preached in front. Of I I was so nervous. I could bear. <laughs> I could barely think. But. <laughs> I I spoke for like five minutes, you know, before he came up and I think it's, there's something about, and and you guys probably know this from just like, as you start to discover your giftings or talents, there's something about like doing something and then feeling like, wait, I think, I think that worked. I think God used that. Even though I was freaked out of my mind, I saw people be affected. So I think there were some seeds early on that kind of just got my attention of God was doing something in me maybe even when I didn't even recognize it at that time. And so we we grew up having a lot of fun as a family and doing ministry together, going on family vacations. My dad's a big vacation guy, even when he didn't have any money, but we would try to do something, road trips or whatever, make it fun. And so ended up, we, after growing up there, I met my now wife, Jamie. Uh, we met there. She was going to a church across town. So it's like small city. And I, I heard of her and uh, she was infamous. You know, when you're a small city, like, you know, you, know you hear about the single people.
1: <laughs> yes. And yeah.
2: So I'm like, oh man. I got, I got to meet this Jamie. So, um, we, uh, she was actually a missionary in Thailand for a couple of years. And so she'd just come back home every once in a while, see her family. So I got to see her there, but that's kind of how we, how we started in that little city in in Washington. And she was doing ministry apart from me, she was doing missions work. She was there when the tsunami hit in Thailand. She was there organizing teams and uh, working with the oh, Red wow. Cross and and YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. And uh, so we both kind of falling in love with ministries in separate places uh, apart from each other, uh, which was so cool when God was started bringing us together.
0: Yeah, that's such a cool story. And I'm going to back you up a little bit yeah. just so that all of us parents out there can maybe take some tips. <laughs> so growing up in a household that it was just a way of life as far as faith and God, what do you, did you feel as a child that your parent, as you got into your teen years before you said you went into that corner by yourself, do you feel like your parents kind of left it open to, for you to kind of, think of it in your own way. And if so, how do you feel like what do, what tips would you offer that you feel like they did well that still you felt freedom to to think for yourself but also yeah. you love Jesus.
2: <laughs> right. That's so that's so good. Such a good question. I think my parents were amazing at creating a, a an environment of health that we grew up in. So They weren't forcing us to do things, but the environment that they created in our home was they were so consistent. They really walked out their faith walk. You know, there's a lot of people that they adhere to a code of ethics or morality or a spiritual higher power or even to a church religious organization. But there's such a disconnect between what happens on a Sunday in our service and then how they live. And what I saw with my mom and dad was just incredible consistency. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it really intrigued me even as a young person of like, this is really real to them. This mm-hmm. is not something they put on or they they show off in front of their spiritual friends. This is really who they are. So in our home, they did, they allowed us to walk our own journey and and really discover it. But I will say, I think, you know, looking back now, they, they created a nice substructure around us, an environment um, where we could really discover God and uh, we could fall in love with ministry and helping others. And we really felt like it was our own idea, <laughs> which I think is what they did a good yeah. job of, is they let us discover it. And we thought it was our own idea, but they really did a good job of creating that safe environment for us to explore yeah. and grow and We definitely had our ups and downs and I had my times, you know, as we, as we all do that. I look back thinking, my gosh, what was I doing? Um, But the (laughs) whole time they were patient, you know, they walked, they were always a safe place to talk to, I think, which was really neat. Like even with fears or doubts, um, I felt like I could talk with them without scaring them or without them coming down on me. Safe is, is. Is like the word that I keep on coming back to is just growing up in a safe place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. there was so much love from my parents. And you know, you see so many homes that just lack love and affirmation. You know, my, my mom to yeah. this day, she sends me it happened today. She sends me texts every <laughs> single day of like scriptures, things she's praying. Aww. And uh today yeah. it was like two or three scriptures she sent, and I'm praying for you. And Aww. and so I'm I'm looking at these scriptures and I mean it's just I'm I've turned 40 this year. So yeah. I mean she she's still uh she's still on it. Yeah. <laughs> which is so wild, but that's what we grew up in just that affirming, safe, supportive structure which does so much to you psychologically, emotionally and then helps you really discover the Lord spiritually.
0: Yeah. That's such a gift. I love that. So you kind of walked us through to when you met your wife. If you don't mind, kind of give our listeners and us the behind the scenes story or just the birth story of church 1132.
2: You know, we never thought we'd move to Texas. I love Texas now. Disclaimer, so no one be mad at me, but when <laughs> yeah. from, Washington, stop listening. <laughs> from Washington, I thought Texas, you know, literally we just thought, you know, like, man, people just ride horses and there's cowboys. And, and, and so I like never wanted. Wanted to go, So I, I got asked to speak at a conference in Dallas. And uh, so we flew out and I was like, wow, this place isn't as bad as people say. And um, so we had a good time. So we came back a couple of times and I met a pastor who was who's then would become the, the pastor that would hire us. And he felt like he just felt like he had you know, just like an inclination or impression from the Lord that we were supposed to move to Texas. And so Mm -hmm. I, we kind of joked, me and Jamie, my wife kind of joked because it's like, well, we didn't have that same impression. (laughs) We're staying with Washington. I thought I was going to take my dad's church. (laughs) And, uh, so he called me every month for a year. And said, we're not hiring anybody else. We feel like you're the guy, you know, we're going to wait. And at this time, the church is super small. The youth ministry, they're having families leave the church because there was no youth ministry, but he felt like he wasn't supposed to go any other direction than, than hire us. So one day, which we laugh about it now, but I, I told my wife, it was like after a year of him calling us, I was like, maybe we should pray about this. And I'd like to think I'm more spiritual and I should have prayed a long time ago, but we just didn't think that was the reality. So we we started praying and we just felt such peace about coming so we packed up a u-haul and sold stuff and and moved across the country to Texas. And when we wow. got here and all the Texans will know, it was July 1st and it was 104 oh. degrees. <laughs> and we had bought a house yeah. and our ac went out the first night. And so <gasps> oh, no. my thought is, well in in Washington if the you know if the ac's out or it's you open the windows and so it started pouring down rain. I thought, "Oh, thank God, it's cooler." So we opened the windows. My whole house fogged up. It got <laughs> so hot. So I called my pastor at the time. I'm like, "Hey, we don't know what to do. The AC's broke." He's like, "Close the windows. What are you doing?" <laughs> and uh, my wife got sick. She had to have gallbladder surgery that first oh, week no. we were there. And oh, so we were God. just like, "Did we make a mistake?" Yeah. It's like a hundred and hell degrees in Texas, and we're sick and um. So it was kind of a it was kind of a rough, a rough beginning. Yes. Uh, and we had our first youth service, and we had fifteen kids show up. And we just thought, oh like, God. man, we moved all the way across the country. It's hot. We're sick. What did we do? But it was the beginning of something really, really special. And uh, like you mentioned, we we saw just an incredible move of God in young people. so we had, people from different high schools and Christian schools start coming. And we went from 15 kids over 500 and we were packing out. We started having service on Wednesday nights and that packed out and we did Tuesday nights and that packed out. So we were literally having service three nights a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and these young people coming in. And what was interesting is the young people, they got so spiritually on fire for God that they started bringing in their parents and, so we started seeing the church grow, which usually is the other, you know, you think of it the other way, the parents yeah. dragging their kids to church and it was the kids that were just lit up and dragging their parents to church. And I so- that chills. <laughs> oh, it's, inc- it's incredible. And these kids were just making such a difference in their family's lives. And so my pastor approached me and he's one of the most incredible men that I've ever met in my life. He's a mentor to me. He is, um, he's just been a rock, uh, to Jamie and I in our marriage. And, um, he's this he was the pastor at the time. He planted the church and he said, uh, I feel like I'm supposed to give the church to you. And we were just so taken aback. You know, we, we weren't ready for that. We didn't think we were mature enough for that. <laughs> and. Yeah and he said I feel like I feel like I'm supposed to do it. So we went through a two-year transition process and we started the church and we were meeting in a small little building with a really small budget <laughs> and we had property in Allen Texas and you know I don't know if it was naivety now looking back or faith <laughs> I'd like to say it was faith but it might have been naivety I said we're going to build a building <laughs> and uh, yeah. so we started raising money and we were turned down by seven different banks trying to get financing said so we were too small didn't have enough capital and by the grace of God our little church rallied we raised money and we built a beautiful building and so uh, when we built the building we really felt like the church's name was the harvest then. We felt like it was time just for a rebrand of really what God was asking us to do in this next season. And my wife and I, we were actually back home in the Northwest and we were driving on a back old snowy mountain road. And we were talking about, what, who are we? What does like what God put in our heart? And uh, it was my wife's idea. She said, you know, there is a scripture that somebody spoke, a pastor, a friend of ours spoke over us a long time ago. It's in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And it says, the people that know their God will be strong and do great exploits. And she's like, I think that just like totally encompasses everything that we believe, that we believe knowing God empowers you to become strong and who you are, who you should be, your purpose. And then it fulfills, it, it empowers you to fulfill that assignment, and so we just decided in the car, like, oh, that's it. It's Church 1132. And so that was kind of the birth of that. So we opened our new building with a new name and our mission. And everything that we do is wrapped up in those three things. no be, do. And so uh, we think that they go in succession. They, if I try to do, fulfill my assignment before I am know God and become healthy and strong and whole, I'm going to fail. But if I can know Him, learn who He's asked me and and really created me to be, it will empower me to then fulfill the assignment. So that was kind of the the birthing of Church Eleven Thirty Two, and Easter this year will be seven years uh, oh, wow. since we since we took the church.
0: Congratulations! What a story! Oh, thank you. That's so cool. <laughs> You mentioned just like Megan said, she got chills, but I did too. What do you think it was as far as being able to instill that fire that the children had? And I know that it's something that you're still passionate about. And so if you don't mind just talking a little bit more in depth about your passion for the next generation and, and kind of what the secret was back then. Yeah. <laughs> what did y'all do? <laughs>
2: you know, When we moved to Texas, I had a bunch of youth pastors that told me, hey, you know, this area is different. You know, you got to have arcades. You know, that was like a big deal back then. <laughs> date myself a little bit. You got to have, you know, you got to have play structures and you got to have games. And unfortunately, I'm not a very fun person. I, my wife is fun. I'm not very fun. And uh, so like, you gotta be funny. I'm like, this is not good. I'm not funny. I'm not fun. I, I don't know how to play a game with, you know, I, I don't want to eat pudding out of a nylon or whatever they did back yeah. in the youth, youth group <laughs> games. I was just not interested. So they told, you know, they told me it's not going to work, but I found something to be true about young people is they will rise to the level of expectancy put on them. So if you expect them to be rebellious and hate church, that's what you're going to get. But if you expect them to go after God and to learn and to be attentive and grow, they will. And we just started instilling value in who they were. And, and I, I would say this too, is, is that people like to, they like to have an enemy to fight. And so one of the things we did with the young people is I just let them know like people didn't believe that they could follow God. People didn't believe that they could actually, and it was, it was something that's really radical happened in, in that generation. Just instead of rebelling against God, they rebelled against haters that said that they couldn't serve God at a young age. And so the MVMNT was movement with no vowels, which I guess was like the cool thing to do. <laughs> it's like some of the youth group things. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it was the movement. We really believed that's what it was. It was a real movement of young people that said, no, we're not going to be defined by the culture. You can't tell us that we can't serve God or we can't at this age lead groups in our school or see revival in our school or see our, our parents saved or see uh, re- a restoration in relationships. So these young people just got on fire. And you, you said it already, but that's something we're still passionate about. We believe in the next generation. Mm-hmm. And I believe there's an onslaught from culture to indoctrinate the next generation with doubt and hate and all these things, towards God or towards religion. Uh, But I believe that there's still a hunger in young people uh, to know God, to walk with God, and given the right opportunity and the right chance, and just somebody to believe in them, they'll stand up and do it. And I think if you write people off, sometimes they lower themselves to that expectation. But if you believe the best about Mm -hmm. someone, I think it also resurrects something inside of them to raise their life to those expectations so that's just what we believe is like we're gonna just we're gonna believe the best for people that god has an incredible plan for their life and and it's inc- it, it's just amazing to see young people capture that and you spoke about like getting getting chills like i get chills when i start talking about the next generation because <laughs> i just think if i was i was that kid i was 16 yeah. i didn't know you know i didn't know what i was doing but i i had a youth pastor that believes in me I had a dad that believed in me and uh, you guys talk about your mom, you know, like it's just so special to have someone believe in you, Yeah, Yeah. something really powerful about that. And I think it empowers people to be the best version of themselves uh, that they can be. So every, even our ministry now, like we have people come to our church and they say, man, it's such a young church. And I get mad when people say that. I don't like people saying it's a young church. I say, (laughs) it's a church with young people. And just because you've never seen a church with young people before, don't brand us as a young church because I want a church that when my kids get older, I want, I don't want to drag them to church. I want to create a church experience that they want to be a part of. So we target our services and our church towards the next generation with that in mind, that we want families to not have to drag their kids to church. We want the kids to drive this and say we want to be there. And uh, so we are a church with young people, not a young church.
1: <laughs> I love that. And I feel like our generation, you know, I'm 35 and Lauren's around your age.
0: And so I'll be I'll be 40 with you this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, When's your and birthday? May 15th. Oh, when mine's is yours? April
2: 23rd really close.
1: Oh, you Aww. got me beat. <laughs> I love that. So, Lauren's husband is April 22nd and my husband's April 25th. So, Oh, yeah. wow. A lot, a, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of birthdays coming.
0: A lot of Taurus energy going on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: But I was just going to say that, you know, growing up, I did like going to our church and certain things, but it just seems different what you're talking about where I have a lot of friends who had experiences where they felt there was a lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a word. Hypocrisy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Hypocrisy happening with the kids that did go to church. Um, like my husband grew up in Arkansas and he saw a lot of things about church that made him want to not be there. And so I love what you're doing because it's not. That's not what it should be. Like it should be a place where people feel safe and anybody's welcome. And that's why I've been so drawn to your church in so many ways. And I can't wait to actually come in person. I'm planning soon. And you guys have a kid's area because I have a three and a five-year-old. So yeah, I just love what you're doing and I appreciate it so much. And I was laughing when you said that you weren't fun or funny because I'm like, I don't think that's true. I think you see yourself differently than others do because (laughs) I actually like smile anytime (laughs) I listen to your sermons.
2: Oh man, (laughs) Megan, you're going to make me feel good. I aspire to be funny, funnier, but you know, you you know what's (laughs) interesting as well that people think you have to water down church to make it Appealing to the next generation, and I don't think that's—I don't think that's true. I think yeah. we have to take some of the religious bigotry off, some of the hypocrisy off, and just be like authentic. I'll be real. It's it, Christianity is not about being perfect, and people make it sound like sound like you got to be perfect. I mean, nobody's perfect. David yeah. in the Bible was a mess. And the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. So it, it doesn't show perfection. It shows a heart of vulnerability and authenticity towards God. So I think if we create these cultures of church cultures and communities of authenticity, you don't have to water down spirituality. You just gotta be real. And if you take the the mask off, the the facades off and be real, it's really refreshing. I'm a human. I'm a pastor and I make mistakes. I do things I wish I wouldn't have done. I have, but I'm human. And I think if we can be real with our humanity and the frailty that we have, it's super refreshing. And then you can come to church and not have to put on something. You could really be yourself. And I think especially the next generation, that's really refreshing because there's not very many places that they can really get that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I specifically have been so inspired recently on you're doing a series called The Unleashed Church and kind of a little backstory on us. You know, we all have had pretty strong faith like our whole life, but we've gone through our own journeys and just, you know, especially we've all kicked ourselves since our mom passed that like it took that in a weird way to almost like if at least personally like kick me in the face to be like this is what you need to do like i feel like i was focused so much on what i wanted to do and the world was distracting me and since my mom passed it was it just all honed in for me and i hate that it took that to do that for me but listening to your unleashed church it's really inspired me to be more bold in my faith and like talking about my faith cuz uh, i always kept it to myself a little bit and i would be very like careful on what i said to people and not want to like offend or make people uncomfortable. And I've kind of been like, F that, like I'm done with that. Sorry. <laughs> and so I just yeah, want you I- to talk a little bit about the Unleashed Church and what's, what all that means.
2: Yeah, it's, I'll try not to be too, get too excited because like, that's like, that's something <laughs> I'm so passionate about because I just, I don't like being bored <laughs> and sometimes church and spirituality can just be so, uh just it can be boring. It just, it just so lacks life. And I don't think that's the church that Jesus wanted to have. I don't think it's the church in the book of Acts. I, I believe really that a church should be unleashed, which we say like untamed, undomesticated. And even that word domesticated, it means to bring to the level of ordinary and that is like my worst, that's my worst nightmare in life. It's just I don't want to be ordinary. I I, I don't want to have an ordinary life. I don't want to have an ordinary marriage. I don't want to have ordinary kids. I I want I want the I want the best. I want I want to experience the joy of life, the pleasure of life, the fulfillment of life. And I think that church should be one of those places. It should be full of excitement. It should not be dead. It should not be quiet. I think it should be loud. I think it should be passionate. I think Christians should be the most joyous, peace-filled, excited people about life. And I ask myself a question a lot of times, like because I lead a church, ask myself a question. People that don't go to our church, why would they want what we have? And the truth: why would you, honestly, why would you take time out of your Sunday? Like you work all week, And then on Sunday, you go to church to sit and listen to a little speech in like a boring environment. It's like, I'd rather stay home and watch football. But if if we're going to come to church, I want there to be something real. I want there to be something tangible. If I'm serving a God, even the essence of the definition of what God is, if I'm serving a God, I want to believe that he speaks. I want to believe that he can move, that he can heal, that I can encounter him if he if it's just this higher power out there figment of our imagination or some force but doesn't have the power to connect with his creation it just it's just disconnected to me so i want a church that is undomesticated not ordinary i i don't want people to come in and expect they can they can predict what's going to happen i think when god's in the room it's unpredictable I think when there's faith in the room, it, um, you know, maybe for some people even listening, it sounds crazy, but it's, doesn't it sound kind of exciting that, that really anything is possible? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I really believe. And we've tackled some different projects and some things with that thought in mind that we really believe that all things are possible with God. And it's exciting to live a life where you hear the voice of God and, you help other people. And our whole culture is focused on helping ourselves. And I believe of taking care of ourselves and and all of that. But the Bible teaches us really the secret to happiness and fulfillment is not focusing on us. It's focusing on others. And I think it just digs a deeper hole for us sometimes when our culture teaches us, oh, you're having a hard time. Well, just like, why don't you isolate for a little while? Or you're yeah. discouraged or you're depressed. Why don't you just like stay away from all the stressful people in your life?
0: Yeah. you can't. They can't
2: sustain that.
0: Right. But there's a I power love,
2: in giving. Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Well, I just love that you're bringing this up. It's actually a conversation that our mom had with us a lot because even with this podcast, you know, the, the name Girl I Slept in My Makeup is really a metaphor for, you know, we all mess up in life and that's okay. And to give ourselves grace and to love ourselves. And it's, you know, all this self-love talk. And so on one of our previous episodes and even on social, we kind of, we kind of share what our definition of self-love is. And, and I think what you just described is, I think the worldly go-to, you know, where Mm -hmm. it's about you and ourself, but what is your definition? Like, how would you describe self-love? Yeah, that's,
2: that's such a good question. I think it, you know, there's so many different definitions out there, and and I know everyone's into self care and and all yeah. this, which I think is really important. I think you need to care for yourself, and I think you need to take breaks and have rest. And I don't think we need we've been a our culture's obsessed with burning out because we think it's a badge, you know, of accomplishment. And I think we get in some real trouble that way. I think yeah. for me, if I had to define self love or self care. It is it's the truth of what will actually give me the most fulfilling life. So sometimes mm-hmm. to take care of myself, I might feel like holding myself up in the media room and watching Netflix all day is what I what I want. But sometimes the best thing I could do is go help my neighbor or go give something away or encourage someone or it, it's weird. It's upside down because it feels yeah. like if I just gather to myself, I'll feel better, but it, it's so temporary. Yeah. And at some point you got to come back in the real world. So I think you you need those times where you relax and recharge and you watch Netflix all day. Yeah. But I also think that there's something powerful about taking care of yourself in a way that says to be the best version of myself, I've got to flip this thing upside down. Yeah. And I get the most joy out of helping other people. It's mm-hmm. just upside down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I- that's so beautiful. And I've even found Megan, I know we've discussed this, but even through yeah. our kind of grief journey with our mom, like you're saying, it kind of feels reverse or like the opposite. But the more that we kind of take the focus off of our grief and instead go go help somebody who might also be suffering for grief, from grief or just take the focus off ourselves and go help somebody, it's crazy what an impact that makes for our own just mental state. Don't you think Megan?
1: Yeah, no, I think this podcast has been a journey in that. Cause I think I did get wrapped up in the worldly view of self care for a long time of like, Oh, I need to do this and that to take care of myself. And there's still some things within that, that I enjoy, like, you know, getting facials and stuff, but <laughs> um, I've of come course. to realize that it, I can do all of that stuff. And it, like you said, it's temporary and like the ultimate self-care is it's really about loving God and loving Jesus and knowing that he loves me and pulling into that center so like whenever i'm a people pleaser so where i really hurt myself is overthinking and overanalyzing how somebody's viewing me or how i'm you know coming across to somebody or if i hurt somebody's feelings or if i did something wrong like i literally can like kill my heart with that and I've realized like God is the only answer for that. Like I just have to go into my spirit, like the Holy Spirit lives in each, each of us if you invite him in. And it's like, once I pull into the Holy Spirit and really I'm like, okay, God, you have got this. It's like the only answer. And I just feel like almost like I could cry that other people don't have that.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Megan, that's beautiful. It really is. I It shouldn't be a secret, but it's like a secret to humanity. It's a secret to, to happiness and fulfillment. And it's it's funny, Jesus taught taught about it, but it just we've been so conditioned to chase other things and do other things. And I'm the same with you. I I like my I like my own self-love and care routines as well. Like I I love to watch football. I'm an introvert by nature, so I love to be by myself. <laughs> I love to be in nature. You know, yeah. there's some of those things that like those recharge me. But if I'm yeah. starting to feel discouraged or depressed, there's some things that'll help practically. But the thing that just like it really helps us. Is my wife and I we do this consistently? Is sometimes we'll do something silly, like we'll give we'll give something away, and you see the joy on someone's face. I remember this is a couple of years. Well, this is quite a while ago now. We were just starting out at the church, and money was super tight, and we were like, "Man, we we're kind of feeling like we're just in a funk," you know, like, "Man, what's going on?" And uh, so we said, "You know what?" And I, like I said, I love watching TV. I love watching football, and so I had a, had a nice big TV. And I just, I'm like, Jamie, let's give our TV away. And she's like, are you serious? And I was hoping she'd be like, don't do it. But she was like, let's do it. And so we <laughs> took our TV. And so we knew somebody that didn't that didn't have uh, a TV. And so we went and I, I remember like it was years ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. We set this huge big screen TV on their porch. And we knocked on the door and we ran away to the car. <laughs> Uh, Like a long ways away, we sat in the car and we watched them come out. And the dad came out and he's like, you know, you can't, you can't believe it. (laughs) The kids came out, they're running and dancing around the TV. And we, me and Jamie are in the car and we're laughing. We're just laughing. (laughs) And I, it just like, I remember that feeling of joy. And I thought, I need to, I I just thought in my mind, I need to capture this, this moment. I need to just Mm -hmm. snapshot it because we just did something so upside down and it left me with the biggest mm-hmm. feeling of joy. And uh so it's it's it, you're right, Megan. It's just it's so upside down and contrary to what people would say, but it's yeah, it's so precious.
1: I know. I love that. Well, and I wanted to jump over to ask you more about the Dream Center, because I know last week, you know, with the storms in Dallas. Well, in all of Texas, I know the Dream Center that you guys started down in Dallas helped a lot with providing meals and I've been inspired by the Dream Center. I have been looking at, I'm out of town the next month that y'all are doing your um, adopt a block. I'm like, dang it. So definitely in April, I'm going to be, I want to be out volunteering with you guys, but tell us about how the Dream Center in Dallas got started and what all y'all are doing.
0: Yeah. yeah explain it, what it is for those of okay, us yeah, Okay, do Yeah. Sorry. Um,
2: the Dream Center, we call it, it's basically our hub of ministry in the city of Dallas. So, out of the Dream Center, we're starting all kinds of initiatives and ministries to just help people. It's free resources um, that we're providing to the city. It was my wife's idea again, so I, I'm she's getting a lot of credit today. And <laughs> Way to go,
0: Jamie, I know,
2: man. Um, well, I she's was coming on idea. the
0: podcast next. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. <laughs> she's, she's a good time and she's actually very funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, she, you know, we were just talking like, how, how do we make a greater impact? You know, what do we need to do? And there's a real need in this a- area of Dallas and Oak Cliff and people from the area they might know, you know, there's some, there's some high levels of high places of crime and, and, and just some real need in the most amazing people And so we said, we're going to buy a building right in this area and just let it be our center of operations for ministry all over Dallas. And we called it the Dream Center because we didn't want it to just be a church thing. We wanted people in the community and people from other churches to feel like it was their hub of ministry as well. And we believe this, that in every person, there's a God-given dream. And if if they're given a chance, they can find it. And so a lot of people that struggle, they just never been given an opportunity to discover that thing that's inside of them. So the Dream Center, that's our mission statement. Like We exist to help people discover that God-given dream. And a lot of times that's just giving out some support, encouragement, groceries. So we bought the building, no idea obviously that COVID was gonna hit. So COVID hit right after uh, we had purchased the building and we started doing grocery drive-through lines. And these people would come through The most precious people, we'd give them free groceries. We'd ask if we could pray with them. And people would be in the drive through line weeping in gratitude, just so grateful. And we would pray with them. And I mean, it was just something was happening. And Jamie, my wife, she said, She goes, In everything we do in ministry, I'm receiving the most joy from giving out groceries in the parking lot of the Dream Center. And it goes back to kind of what we were talking about. It just, it just, there's something about that. So, Years ago, I was a part of the original Dream Center, which is in Los Angeles. And so we had went and visited. And it's probably the greatest ministry I have ever seen in the United States as far as impact. They go down to Skid Row, and they're helping people. And a lot of their staff are people that came off the streets, did their rehab, did their discipleship program, and now are staffing their, their ministry. So uh, it really intrigued me. So one time we went up on the roof of the LA Dream Center. And when you go on the roof of the LA Dream Center, if you look out, there's Hollywood behind you. So there's Hollywood sign. And then in front of you is the entire skyline of LA. And I'm up there and I just felt like this impression, like God was saying, you're going to have, you're going to do this one day. And I just thought, well, you know, you kind of have these thoughts sometimes. And I kind of just like, well, that's interesting. Years later, fast forward, we have an opportunity to look at this building. The city of Dallas is about to buy it. They said, there's no way we can get it. We talked them into at least giving us a tour. We went up on the roof. I walk up on the roof. I look out off the roof and there in front of me is the entire skyline of Dallas.
1: Wow. And it brought
2: me back in a second to that moment in Los Angeles years ago and reminded me that I felt like God spoke to me that we were going to do this. So I went down and told the real estate agent, I'm like, we, like, we need to buy this building. And he said, you, "You, can't." I told you I would show it to you, but you can't buy it. Like it's already you know, in the final stages of a contract. And uh, so I, I made him an offer that day. I said, would you just promise me that you at least show the owner? So through a series of events, three hours later, the owner called me. We bought the building and we're renovating it right now. We have all kinds of ministries coming out. We have teams coming from all over this summer that are going to come serve the community. This ice storm, snowstorm came in. We were called by the city of Dallas saying, we need help. We need you to help feed people. Wow. So we fed, we took hot meals, delivered door-to-door hot meals to shut-ins, people with no power, people with no water. It's just incredible. So one of the initiatives that we're starting, we're probably most excited about, is uh, we're starting the 1-5 Center for Women later this year. And it's basically, we're going to provide care for pregnant women from the moment uh, they find out they're pregnant all the way through birth, free resources. A lot of times these moms, they can't afford to, uh, in this area, they can't afford to go to a doctor with a sonogram. So the first time they see the baby is when they have the baby. So we're providing free sonograms. Yeah. We are going to provide a care partner that's going to walk through them, encourage them all the way through. And uh, we're going to have birthing center doulas, you know, the whole nine yards so they can have the baby right there at the Dream Center. And then for for moms that financially can't afford to keep the child or they don't have the desire or younger moms uh, or in adverse situations, we're going to provide, we're going to work with adoption agencies and make sure that those children get placed in godly homes, and uh, yeah. so that's probably the biggest thing we're excited about. So we're in the we're in the works right now. Incredible doors are opening. Wow. It's it's super exciting, and I want so you guys to come excited. down sometime. I'll host I know. you. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to help.
1: Over. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, I don't know if Dustin, we probably don't know, but our mom's ministry when we were younger, she was part of a a house called Sarah's. Was it Sarah's home or Sarah's house? I can't remember the name, but it was a maternity home. And she, um, we actually had, yeah, yeah, we actually had a mom live with us for a long time when I was in high school and she was giving up her kids for adoption. So when you had a service recently where you were announcing this, I literally was like crying because I was like, I want to help somehow. So I will be there. (laughs) However, y'all would need me. I'm just going to like show up.
0: Yeah. Dustin, we, I have like so many more questions. We'll have to have you back on, but for somebody who would like to get involved in the dream center or the new maternity home organization, where can they get more information? And also for somebody who's not in Dallas, like me, who would love to also get involved. Is there any opportunities? Um, obviously sending donations, I'm sure is, uh, accepted, but is there any other opportunities for out of town volunteers?
2: Yeah, we're, we're doing a bunch of stuff right now. The best thing for people to follow the d- the developments in real time is just Dream Center Dallas, our Instagram at Dream Center Dallas. Um, we give all of our updates. There's testimonies on there, uh, outreach opportunities are all all through there. Dreamcenterdallas.com is our website and so uh, we got a lot of opportunities there. People can donate through the the website and uh, for out of town, we're starting to host people as they come in people that just want to see it and um, so if they come into town obviously we love people just praying with us and just uh, helping us pass the word that's that's what we're asking It's like we help us get the word out uh we don't want anything from the community uh we we really want to provide and we've taken some pushback on that people are saying you got to charge you got to do it. And it's like we we're, we're not going to do that we are going to provide free resources to people that can't afford them and people say you know we people take advantage of we don't care. Like our job is to, is to be there and to be the free resource and give hope and encouragement. So any way that people can help get the word out, uh, follow us at dream center Dallas, it would mean the world to us. And, uh, there's a bunch of really bad statistics that were released last year about this area of Dallas and some of the other areas. And I've taken that as a personal challenge that we're going to break the statistics. So that's kind of our, uh, yeah. that's our mission right now is we're going to, we're going to see those broken in Dallas. <laughs>
0: Love it. That's beautiful. Before we close in prayer, there was one question and we can keep it short. But as you know, there are so many of us that are just struggling. You know, it's been we're, none of us are the same as we were a year ago. And yeah. it's been hard. It's been so hard on on parents, on our kids. I know there's so many parents myself included, that, you know, just have the normal tendencies to worry about our children or or whatever. So if you can offer just one words of wisdom of hope, what would you just say to all of us?
2: (laughs) I've just, I've, I feel refreshed just talking to you guys. This is, this is, this is fun just hearing you guys. And, and I love hearing you talk about your mom and just how it's just, it's precious what you guys are carrying from her. It's obvious that it just kind of emanates from you, the things that you've gleaned from her. And oh, thank I, you. I've walked through different seasons, you know, where I've just felt hopeless or discouraged. And you know, I think everybody goes through those seasons probably more so for people in this last year. Um, I studied the word discouragement uh, a while ago, dis a break of some type courage uh, and then meant and that the last part of that word discouragement is when a uh, when a verb an action word becomes a a noun, which mm-hmm. person, place, or thing. Discouragement is is often the place we get stuck at. It, instead of something we move through, it's something we get stuck in. It becomes a place. And I think my encouragement to people it, it might not sound very revelatory or substantial, but I found sometimes the best thing to do when you're feeling discouraged is don't, don't stop. Don't isolate. Don't give up. Just keep on, keep on, keep on moving. Don't let the situations become your new living place you're you're the place where you, where you, now this is my life I'm discouraged no this is something you're passing through and if I could offer any encouragement people that are that are listening no matter how bad um, the situation is I really believe that God has the ability to turn the next season around and you know every great movie every great book, it's got to have it's got to have the plot twist, right? It's like yeah. it goes so bad, and then there's the comeback. And if there was no conflict, the movie would wouldn't be any good. Mm-hmm. The book wouldn't be interesting uh, without the downswing, yeah. without the discouragement. And I just would encourage people: don't stop on chapter nineteen uh, because there's always a chapter mm-hmm. twenty. And so, even if chapter nineteen, or we could say for twenty twenty, if chapter twenty has been bad, there's always another chapter, yeah. and uh, the book's not over yet the story's not over yet. And just because you had a downturn or a downswing, or you've had a discouraging year, don't let that be the place you live. Make sure you turn the page every day and make sure you step into that next chapter. Cause I really believe this. It could be the best chapter of your life.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. That's awesome. Well, I truly feel so honored. It's, I don't, I could sit here and talk to you all day. So maybe we will have to have you and Jamie back. Um, we would love to talk to y'all more. But um, Megan, do we have anything else before Dustin, if you don't mind, we would love for you to close us in prayer.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I was just going to say, make sure to check um, them out on it's church 1132.com. They're also on Instagram at church 1132 and they do live stream their services. I share them often, but just a reminder, even if you're not here, you can watch them online
2: yes I, I appreciate it you get, you guys are amazing and I love what you're doing I did get a couple funny looks uh, when I told people that I was on a podcast uh, and they're like oh which one like uh, girl I slept with my makeup and they're like wait you're on girl <laughs> I slept with my ma-. I'm like yeah there's a story to it you just gotta you gotta yeah. you, you're gonna have to listen to understand
1: <laughs> oh how funny uh, how funny well we but, uh, so I'm... appreciate you taking a chance on the the makeup podcast <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well I have yeah. three Really
2: enjoyed it, and you guys are incredible. I can't wait to host you at the Dream Center, and I'll I'll pray for you and for your listeners. Okay, Lord, I I just thank you uh, that you are a God of hope. You're always a God of second chances, and you're a God of the impossible. I just pray for people that are listening. Maybe they're discouraged. Maybe they've had a really bad chapter. Maybe uh, they've had some disappointment. Lord, like even uh, like Megan and Lauren have had in, in this last year, some just real, real disappointments in their own family, things that would make them even question, God, like, are you good? Or why did this happen? God, I pray in the midst of all of that, you would show yourself strong to people. Lord, you there's a scripture that I love. And it says in your word that you are close to those whose hearts are breaking. So I just ask that you would be close to those who are discouraged. Those who are hopeless. And so I, I pray Uh, that you would just give them, even today, just a glimmer of hope uh, to believe that the next chapter is going to be the best chapter, that there's still chapters in this story and that the the best is on its way. So uh, we thank you just even for this time together, let people be encouraged and built up and uh, we love you in your name. Amen.
0: Amen. (laughs) Thank you so much.
2: You're so welcome. You guys are amazing. This is fun. (laughs)
0: <laughs> thank you well listeners thank you so much for tuning in with us another week we, we love you guys and we will see you next week bye thank you for listening to another week of girl i slept in my makeup
1: if you like us rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and if you want to learn more about us or get in touch with us go to our website girl i in where you'll also find links to our Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it and yeah, make it a great week. God bless.